All right, back with you on a uh, Thursday here on Dave Ellswick Show. Typically, J.R. Davis would be with us. He's going to be a little late. He'll be on a little later on into the show. Uh, last night, evidently, I, I don't know this for a fact, I was talking to to Zach, and I've talked to Russ, and I've talked to several other people here in Little Rock. You guys got rock and rolled some last night while by some bad weather. And it has done some damage uh, to different things. Uh, Comcast is screwed up. They are working at our building where we are located and trying to get things set up. But trying to get things loaded uh, down from the Internet and stuff is just taking forever. It's very, very slow. Uh, We had some uh, equipment at several of our sites uh, get uh, knocked uh, off the air or destroyed. And that's why if you're listening to the show right now, you're listening on 1011FMTheAnswer.com because that's the only place you can get us. We are knocked off of, we're not broadcasting on on uh, the airwaves because a AT&T piece has gone out and the folks from AT&T have not gotten there to repair what was uh, messed up. And they're supposed to come out and take care of us uh, as quickly as they possibly can so that uh, we're back on on the air ASAP. That has not happened today. No big surprise to me about AT&T. I'm not an AT&T fan. I've said that on the air. I, I, don't, I used to love DirecTV. I don't now that AT&T bought them. They're a pain in the butt to deal with. So, um, you know, just just my feeling. Just my feeling uh, of their service. But uh, we got that problem. So uh, we're not, the Mevo is not working today because Comcast is not working worth beans. And because that, we're not on my Facebook today. So I've run through everything for you. If you're listening on 1011, you're listening to the show and feel lucky that we're being able to get on there. To be honest, I'm kind of surprised that we're even there. I'm surprised that we're, we've got any kind of, of audio footprint or, or video footprint. So anyway, here in a couple of minutes, JR will be with us. and We're going to talk to him. He's going to st- uh, stick around to about 3.30. And then uh, we'll cover the news. I mean, one of the big stories right now is this U.S. Navy drone that was shot down by the Iranians over the Strait of Hormuz in an unprovoked attack. According to CENTCOM, U.S. military officials have uh, returned fire verbally right now, hours after Iran blasted a Navy high-altitude drone out of the sky. Uh the uh, U.S. Central Command issuing a statement said it was unprovoked and Tehran's subsequent false justification for it. So let's run over the information that we got right now. The downing of the drone via surface-to-air missile is only the most recent Iranian provocation in the region, coming on the heels of a disputed attack on a pair of oil tankers In the uh, Gulf of Oman last week, U.S. officials say Iran was behind the tanker attacks. However, the Islamic Republic has not claimed responsibility and even suggested American involvement in the plot. 
Similarly, Iran claimed a U.S. drone on Thursday was over Iranian airspace when it was shot down, but American officials stated without doubt uh, the incident occurred in international airspace out there. Okay. Uh, You've got um, U.S. uh, Central Command saying in their statement that a U.S. Navy Broad Area Maritime Surveillance, ISR, aircraft known as a BAMS-D was shot down at about 7.35 Eastern uh, yesterday. That was last night, 6.35 our time. In a statement read to reporters at the Pentagon, Lieutenant General Gustelia, Commander, U.S. Air Force's Central Command, said the drone was flying over the Gulf of Oman and the Strait of Hormuz on a surveillance mission in international airspace when it was shot down from the missile fired from a location near Garouk, Iran. This was an unprovoked attack on a U.S. surveillance asset that had not violated Iranian airspace at any time during its mission, according to the general. This attack is an attempt to disrupt our ability to monitor the area following recent threats to international shipping and free flow of commerce. He went on to say that at the time it was struck by the missile, The drone was operating at a high altitude, approximately 34 kilometers from the nearest point of land on the Iranian coast. Quote, this dangerous and escalatory attack was irresponsible and occurred in the vicinity of established air corridors between Dubai, UAE, and Muscat, Oman, possibly endangering innocent civilians. The U.S. Navy's RQ-4A Global Hawk drone provides real-time intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance missions over vast ocean and coastal regions, according to the military. Iran also tried to shoot down another drone but missed. U.S. officials told Fox News officials are now scrambling to find the wreckage in the water before Iranian forces recover it. The Navy RQ-4A Global Hawk drone deployed to the Middle East in the past few days as part of reinforcements approved by President Trump last month. The uh, high-altitude drone can fly up to 11 miles in altitude and loiter for 30 hours at a time. Wow, that's amazing. 11 miles high and then stay up in the air for 30 hours at a time. That's incredible. It's used to spy on Iranian military communications and track shipping in the busy waterways. Each drone costs up to $180 million. Besides the drone incident, U.S. officials told Fox News that Iran uh, forces fired cruise missiles Wednesday night into Saudi Arabia, hitting a power plant. The spat of recent attacks come amid the backdrop of a heightened tension after the U.S. decision a year ago to withdraw from Tehran's nuclear deal, reimposing sanctions. At the same time, it seems, uh, you know, 
we're doing whatever we can to keep the Iranians from getting totally crazy. The president sent out a uh, text last night or a, a tweet. Iran made a very big mistake, but he seemed to leave open the possibility that it was not an intentional act. Quote, I find it hard to believe it was intentional and it could have been someone who was loose and stupid, he said. The commander for Iran's Revolutionary Guard claimed the drone was shot down over Iranian airspace to send a clear message to the U.S. and mark the first direct Iranian-claimed attack of this crisis. We do not have any intention for war with any country, but we are fully ready for war, the uh, Revolutionary Guard commander said in a televised address. Now, Lindsey Graham talked a little bit about this last night and this morning, saying that what he believes the Iranians are trying to do is to uh, get the president to come back to the negotiation uh, table. I don't believe that that's going to work for this president. And I don't have uh, numbers for my my sound here, uh, um uh, Zach, so if you can kind of just look at those and find the one that has the senator talking about uh, what the Iranians are trying to uh, to do. The Ayatollahs to blame. We didn't sink anybody's ships. We didn't blow up any pipelines. Uh, we didn't go in and dismember Yemen. Uh, we're not supporting, we're not the largest state sponsor of terrorism. So what are they trying to achieve? They're trying to bring Trump back to the negotiating table through intimidation. They're trying to divide us and the Europeans. They're trying to drive up the price of oil because they need money. So getting out of the nuclear deal was a good decision because it was a bad deal. To get Trump back to the negotiating table, they're trying to use hostile acts as the means to do that. If they're successful, that becomes the template for other outlaw regimes and terrorist organizations. So the Iranians have made a miscalculation only if Trump responds in a way to deter this kind of effort to restart negotiations. Okay, that was uh, Senator Lindsey Graham, and uh, I think that he's right. I think that this is the, the Ayatollahs trying to force Trump back to the uh, negotiation table, and it's not going to happen. It definitely won't happen. He's not going to go over there to sit, do sit-down talks with them when they're shooting our drones down and they're mining, you know, ships from other from other countries. Did notice that the people and ships they attacked were not European Union ships or American ships. Really important. They don't want. They're trying to kind of drive a little bit of a wedge between us and the Europeans because several of the U- European countries uh, were all about that deal that the president struck uh, with Iran that the, our president now uh, got out of. I mean, Obama's the one who got, it in, got us into it. Trump has gotten us out of it. Don't forget, not only did we sign that deal, but to get that deal signed, we had to send pallets of cash and precious metals over, uh, I think, a, a little over a billion dollars uh, to the um, the Iranians. Uh, the uh, congressman, uh, 
congressman, Senator Cotton, uh, went after uh, Biden about Biden saying about us getting out of that deal. Uh, he went after Biden saying the only thing that deal did was embolden the Iranians. And it was a foolish mistake by President Obama and Vice President Biden. So uh, we're going to have to keep our eyes on this. Things are simmering over there. I, I, I would, would say that, uh, you know, we're not close to shade, uh, trading shots. But when you start shooting drones down and and you, uh, you know, you start mining ships, all it takes is one really stupid move, and uh, you could get yourself into something you don't want to you you want to get out of, but then you can't get out of it. You're in uh, you. Uh, you, you've, you've crossed the line. Now, the Iranians said the red line for them is their borders. And as I said, the uh, CENTCOM or Central Command said all of their instrumentation says that we were 30 plus miles off the coast of Iran. So we weren't even close to broaching their airspace. This is provocation. And as uh, Lindsey Graham said, imit- uh, intimidation uh, by uh, the folks over in Iran. I got more sound for you when we come back. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Again, if you're listening, you're at 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, before we uh, go any further, let me remind you about our good friend, uh, Dwayne Smith, and uh, the Dwayne Smith Insurance over in uh, Sherwood. Uh, they are right uh, at uh, 3920 East Keel Avenue. And coming up on Friday, this this Friday, that's tomorrow, they're going to be having a, a car wash, and it's a free car wash from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Now, they're asking that you make a donation. They're going to say how much you got. You don't have to pay, all right? But they are asking for donation. Go, go over, get your car uh, washed, and all the donations are going to go to the Arkansas Alzheimer's Association for their 2019 Walk to End Alzheimer's. Uh, Dwayne and the staff are going to be there, answer any questions you have about insurance. You even can get a quote while you're there. And as you know, the folks at Dwayne Smith Insurance Agencies offers a wide variety of coverage and service, life, home, auto, motorcycle, ATV, boat, more. Just go over and talk to him about it if you need more information. Give Dwayne a call, 501-819-0373. That's Dwayne Smith in Allstate Insurance Agency, serving Central Arkansas with their location at 3920 East Keel Avenue in Sherwood. And don't forget, tomorrow from 10 a.m. until 3 p.m., they'll be out washing clothes. All right? Free to you just for your donation. All right, a little bit more on this whole thing about the drones. Uh, this was the from CENTCOM, uh, their uh, press briefing they had and what they said about the uh, drone being shot down. This No, this is the, uh, the general. Well, good afternoon. Uh, this is uh, Lieutenant General Joseph Guastella, commander of the U.S. Air Force's Central Command. I'm prepared to give a statement, but I won't be answering questions at this time. A U.S. Navy RQ-4 was flying over the Gulf of Oman 
in the Strait of Hormuz on a recent surveillance mission in international airspace in the vicinity of recent IRGC maritime attacks when it was shot down by an IRGC surface-to-air missile fired from a location in the vicinity of Goruk, Iran. This was an unprovoked attack on a U.S. surveillance asset that had not violated Iranian airspace at any time during its mission. This attack is an attempt to disrupt our ability to monitor the area following recent threats to international shipping and the free flow of commerce. Iranian reports that this aircraft was shot down over Iran are categorically false. The aircraft was over the Strait of Hormuz and fell into international waters. At the time of the intercept, the RQ-4 was operating at high altitude, approximately 34 kilometers from the nearest point of land on the Iranian coast. This dangerous and escalatory attack was irresponsible and occurred in the vicinity of established air corridors between Dubai, UAE, and Muscat, Oman, possibly endangering innocent civilians. Thank you. All right. That was their statement. And when it comes to the Air Force, there's no answers or questions after that. That's what they, that's the information that they had that they were sure of, and that's what they uh, shared with you. Lindsey Graham had one more thing to, be, to say about this as well. And here's the senator. Lindsey Graham, and again, let's let's get two points that he made there. One provocative attack that you know puts their navy in our direct uh, you know consideration, and number two, their oil refineries, which, as you heard him say, uh, finances this murderous regime. So. You can't say that nothing's going on. There are things that are going on here. Uh, the Iranians are pushing. Thus far, they've not pushed too far. But they better walk carefully. Because, they, you know, the, the, the Ayatollahs may wake up one morning, be a knock at the door. They open the door and there's a cruise missile there saying hello. Just saying. Just saying. We'll we'll only put up with this for so long, and as Americans, you should want our military not be willing to put up with this inordinately, because it's putting people in danger. As you heard that general say, it puts a lot of innocent people uh, in danger as well, because they're fighting those missiles through uh, civilian airspace. All right, time for the news. Let's get to that. Then when we come back, Jr. should be here. All right, back with you on Dave Ellswick's show, Sunny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. So why are those auto parts so good? 
because they deal in total lost vehicles. That means a car has been in a wreck and it can't be driven anymore. And uh, the insurance company has uh, determined it's a total loss. Well, what happens is that people like RD go out and they bid on those cars and they buy those cars because guess what? Just because something's a total loss does not mean that uh, its uh, engine doesn't work anymore, its transmission doesn't work, uh, rear differential doesn't work. All those parts probably still work. just means that you can't drive it around the car into you know in its totality so what you do let's say you've got the same kind of car and you you blew a rod and you want a brand new uh a brand new uh engine for your car uh, at least a new engine that once it's put in your car but you don't want to buy one that's been rebuilt because a rebuilt engine's probably going to cost you somewhere between uh say four and six thousand dollars maybe more so you go talk to R.D. over at Sonny's, and uh, you find that he's got the, your car. He's got an engine from your car, your kind of car. So you decide to do that, and maybe that engine only runs a little over a grand or a, around 1500 bucks. Bottom line, you save a lot of money. You can get a standard warranty or a guarantee, one, two, three-year warranties on all those parts. So call R.D., save yourself some money. Don't worry about putting it in. They've got the people that will do it for you. That's Sonny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. Here's the number to call, 982-7451, All right, so JR just walked in. Before I, I get you on here, JR, I want to play a piece that for my for my listeners for you folks that may not have heard this, this is from Tuesday. I think it happened on Monday evening on something that she did on, you know, um, a Facebook or something like that. She was talking about ice, and she was talking about our uh, our uh, sites that we put to children and things. Oh, of is that this nature. AOC? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, this, horrible. This just pisses me off. I'm going to be honest. I haven't used it yet. Because it makes me mad. It just, it really does. This makes me mad. Here is this idiot, and she just cannot stop from showing that she is an idiot and what she had to say. The United States is running concentration camps on our southern border. And that is exactly what they are. They are concentration camps. And um, if that doesn't bother you, I don't, I got, I like, we can have, okay, whatever. I want to talk to the people that are concerned enough with humanity to say that we should not, that never again means something. And that um, the fact that concentration camps are now an institutionalized practice in the home of the free is extraordinarily disturbing um, and we need to do something about it this week children uh, immigrant children were moved to the same internment camps where the Japanese were held in in the early in the earlier 20th century and this is 
This is not even about a crisis. Sorely misinformed individual. Oh my god! Yeah, it's bad, man. Yeah, it's bad. I mean, she she's, you know, you mentioned it earlier. It's someone who literally has no idea what she's talking about. But there is a generation that listens to her and yeah. thinks that that she's uh, right that she's right and and she has no idea what she's talking about i have seen reactions from sports figures to uh obviously anchors uh, i mean i'm we're talking i know i get it we're we're in a weird time where the the whole unbiased thing is not you know doesn't really exist anymore yeah. but we're talking about anchors like you know bill hemmers on fox news and chuck todd on msnbc basically saying you do not know what you're talking about do not invoke never again when you were talking about uh the immigration crisis at our borders versus you know places like Dachau and and when you say concentration camps and to the Auschwitz. jewish community yeah the, the the jewish community we're talking about you know uh, gas chambers, you know, working them till they die, uh, experimenting on them, you know, medically. I mean, these are burning this, people, burning alive. people alive. So to say, you know, and I think honestly, I th- actually think Chuck Todd said it best. He goes, this shouldn't be a partisan issue. Like people, Democrats who are scared to cross her should come out and say, hey, you need a history lesson. While we don't agree with, you know, the, the president's immigration policies or whatever it's a long ways from a concentration camp and you need to address the you know you need to fix the record that to me is to, she said a lot of stupid things to me that was one of the most uninformed monologues i've heard from aoc and we you know there are a lot to choose from did you see what pelosi said about it no she didn't call on her to apologize mm. all she did was saying well she has the right to her own opinion yeah, that just sh- that shows you how much the leadership is scared of that woman. It is. It's <laughs> you know. I guess there's not there's not many things that are disappointing nowadays, but that is certainly disappointing. And look, I'm not saying that it's just Democrats. You know, Republicans. You know, to call out things from former or from fellow Republicans, they need to do that just as much as the Democrats need to call out their fellow Democrats for being wrong about things. This though is. I mean, I'm telling you, uh, Dave, I, I mentioned it earlier, but you're, I've seen basketball coaches that are so removed from politics come out and say, you're wrong. Like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. We've seen people that don't engage in politics much at all to say, do you understand what never again means to the Jewish community? Do you understand what that means? Never again means never again from 1939 to 1945 are you going to see mass genocide That's right. uh, out of these concentration camps. So to compare those... Again, I mean, you can say a lot, uh, but I think uninformed uh, and ignorant pretty much wraps it up. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. You made me feel better by you doing that because oh, it lit I, me. I it just, lit me on fire when I saw that. I just I, I get I, mad, man. I'm, she really she makes comes me across angry. As, she truly, condescending. This has nothing to do with, you know, people scream because she's a woman or anything. That has nothing to do with anything. She comes across like an uneducated adolescent who well, happens to is. be a member of Congress. She's you know, not an like, adolescent. I mean, no, she's, but, what, 27 but, years old? But you know what I'm talking about. It's someone who's, who's you know, that, that just has no, I mean, uh, look, you, know, you vote for her, you send her there, that's fine, it's all good and well, it's your voice, you're, you're voting at the ballot box, but my goodness, she just, from everything from economic, uh, from economics to foreign uh, policy to obviously, you know, her 
definition of a concentration camp. They're all so uh, so wrong and and uninformed. Have a have a philosophy. Have an opinion. Say this is the way we should do things. I don't believe in this. I believe in that. But just be factually correct. Yeah. That is all we ask. That's asking a lot for her, you know. Yeah, it's just it's she's uh, just a bartender. It's it's it is uh, uh, it's frustrating to hear things like that come out of uh, a, a member of Congress's mouth. And there's a lot of things that happen on the Republican and Democratic side. But someone who, I, you know, so many young people listen to, for her to say those types of things and totally misinform those individuals and and. I mean, that's to me is the saddest part is that some people will take that as gospel truth. Oh, and yeah. She is so, so, so terribly wrong. A lot of college aged people will say, yeah, yeah, I can get behind that. Well, let me just say you go down to the southern border. You're not going to find, a, you know, an oven. You're not going to find a shower that spews gas. Uh, you're not going to find a bunch of uh, young people that have been shot in the back of the head and laid in a ditch. It ain't going to be there. Yeah, no secret laboratories. Where, yeah, they experiment on. Uh, yeah, there is no Mengele down yeah, there. Yeah, it's that, you know, it's, uh, man, I just, I, you know, I could ramble for an hour on this. But Go ahead. I get really, <laughs> I get fired up, I get frustrated <laughs> by it. And I think, look, here, here is the plain and simple truth. You may not like President Trump's, uh, immigration policy. But to say that we have a legal way of entering this country, if you are coming in illegally and you are detained at the border, that's just policy. Yeah. That's that's the law. We're upholding law saying this is how you become an American citizen or this is how you live in this country, not this way, and you're detained at the border. Uh, I think, you know, uh, that I mean to be to 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 compare one to I would say probably the most heinous uh, act in in the world history. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, that's just. You ever been to the museum in D.C.? I have. Yeah. Yeah. She should go to it. Yeah. She really should. Somebody should buy her a ticket. I wish a Jewish person would buy her a ticket and take her and talk to her. Someone who had family members who died in the concentration camp. Great person to talk to is Robert Steinbach. I mean, his father, his father escaped mm. from all of that stuff. First from the Germans, then from the Russians. Well, I'm I'm surprised there hasn't been more uh, of a backlash within her own party. They're afraid of her. What about the you know the the uh, Senate uh, Minority Leader? Uh, well, I haven't heard oh, anything from Chuck Schumer and since he's Jewish. I mean, I would think, and he also represents not just that the fact that he is the senator New from York. New York, and, yeah. and and I wonder too how much that you know if that if that backfires on her because she has a constituency I would imagine too that has you know uh, um, a large population of, of Jewish folks and and I, I again I just oh, she's think, she's doubling down yeah. she's she's not apologizing and let me point out another thing too about her she she uh, portends to like be this. Um, this voice of the younger generation and that she's listening to them and she's getting their message out. I don't know that I've ever seen her listen to anybody. You know, you know how I become a, a not just, you know, a, um, uh, a million vanilli type act where you're one hit wonder mm-hmm. and people forget about you. Yeah. You listen, you learn, you grow, you, you, you sharpen uh, your 
uh, arguments uh, and, and what you believe, but you listen to people. And this would be a great opportunity for her to take a step back, listen to individuals, hear their stories, and come out and say, you know what? While I absolutely detest what the Trump administration is doing, I was wrong in comparing it to concentration camps, and I should not have invoked uh, never again into my political agenda. Uh, this was wrong. I'm sorry, um, and it won't happen again. I mean, that, I hope somebody but, runs against you know, her, and their hashtag is never again. I'm telling about you about her. She's. I, <laughs> I. I mean, look. You never know in this in this uh, political environment anymore. But but you got to think that's going to come back to bite her. Uh, I, I just I can't I can't understand how it wouldn't. Um, but like I said, you know I'm 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 not uh, I'm not Jewish, and when I heard that, it just fired me up. And I can only imagine, um, as you mentioned, with uh, you know Robert Steinbach and, and talking about his family, but just the families around the world who have some connection to that, uh, some family connection, and understand just what that meant to the Jewish community and the culture, uh, those six years, it was devastating. I mean, catastrophic, yep. tra- tragic, just unthinkable. And Wiped for her out to try to... whole family. Yeah. You know, names. Yeah. Gone. Gone. And and she's saying that because we're detaining people at the border, that's a concentration camp. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. Well, if you think that's unbelievable, wait till I... What I've got for you when we come back. Got to get man. a break in. I got another one for Dave's you. Dave's just pouring gas on the fire today. We're no, just going. <laughs> man, I got to say, this is on the Republican side. I cannot believe this piece of news that I just got. It just popped up on my phone. I'll tell you what it is when we return. J.R. Davis is our guest here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you. I told you I would bring up another story. Are you ready? I'm ready. Here Shoot. it comes. Former Alabama Chief Justice Roy Moore. Just a few moments ago, declared his candidacy for mm-hmm. the uh, Senate on uh, launching his second bid for the state's Republican nomination. Quote, I will run for the U.S. Senate in 2020, Moore said at an event in Montgomery, Alabama. Can I win? Yes, I can win. Democrats, Democrats won control of Alabama's junior U.S. Senate seat in 2017 after holding a special election to replace former Attorney General Jeff Sessions who vacated the seat when he was elevated to head up the Department of Justice. Doug Jones defeated Moore, who faced massive backlash after allegations arose uh, that he had molested a teenager in the 70s. Despite the controversy, Jones won the election by less than 2% of the vote. Republican leaders, including President Donald Trump, had urged Moore to sit this race out. Here's a Trump... uh, tweet from May 29th, Republicans cannot allow themselves to again lose the Senate seat in the great state of Alabama. This time it will be for six years, not just two. I have nothing, all in caps, against Roy Moore, and unlike many other Republican leaders, wanted him to win, but he didn't and probably won't. Quote, the president doesn't control who votes for the United States Senate in Alabama. Moore said in May, people in Alabama are smarter than that. They elect a senator from Alabama, not Washington, D.C. Jones is one of the most vulnerable uh, incumbent senators for 2020. And as Alabama typically votes Republican and they're preparing for an uphill battle. Moore joins an increasingly crowded Republican primary field, which includes. Tommy Tuberville. Or Eagle. 
for, you know, former Auburn head football coach, State Representative Bradley Byrne, and Alabama Secretary of State John Merrill. Well, let's just talk. Let's talk politics for a second. Yeah, if that's you a are good, the Republican those Party, are good ones to talk. If about you are there. the Republican Party of the state of Alabama, the last thing you want is the focus on this race to be about Roy Morgan and those allegations, which they will turn into. Oh, sure. And, and to Doug Jones, that's music to his ears. Oh, yeah. If, he, if he wants, He's a, re- he wants right a rematch, now. absolutely he'll take a rematch uh, against Roy Moore. But that is what the focus of that will be. It's bad for the Trump administration. It's bad for the Republican Party. And it's certainly bad for the party, uh, for the Republican Party of Alabama. Uh, quite frankly, I think that, um, you know, Tommy Tuberville has done a pretty remarkable job so far tying himself to Trump because if Roy Moore uh, thinks that there aren't supporters of the president in the state of Alabama, uh, he is sorely mistaken. And so if if he's uh, going to go out there and say the president doesn't pick, uh, he has no say, they're smarter than the president, I think that will be some, some backlash there. But quite frankly, too, regardless of what Roy Moore says, and he'll have a base and they'll show up. But but it ain't going to be like it was in the special. Nope. They're not going to come out in droves. They spent a lot of emotional, uh, and I actually think, too, part of that where they were already embedded with him when a lot of sure. these allegations came up and they were going to push through, right? Mm-hmm. It's over. A lot of those folks don't want to relive that again. So I, I think that, you know, I think it's just a black eye on, on, on the primary uh, with, with more getting into the race. But I, I don't think he's going to win the primary. Well, if he get, if he would get crushed... I wouldn't cry about it. Yeah. You know, because I, I, he's the weakest of all of those candidates. I'll be honest. I don't know much about the, the state uh, senator or the secretary of state. Uh, I, I just know what Tuberville has said uh, mm-hmm. a few times. But I got to believe they're all better than Well, I think the there, more. Was, there was a recent poll, and obviously this before Moore got into this about a week ago. Actually, I think less than a week ago where Tuberville – was leading the pack with more included. Now, granted, he'll probably get a bump just once he announces. I think what'll happen is you'll, and I don't know what the, I don't know what the primary or the runoff rules there in Alabama are, um, but I, I assume it will go to a runoff, and then that's where I think that uh, a candidate like Tuberville will will beat someone like a Roy Moore. I, again, I just think there's fatigue. There. I would sure hope that just because you're a roll tied fan that you wouldn't vote against him. Although that is certainly going to be an issue. Yes, it is. <laughs> hey, way people six, are. six in a row over Alabama, and he hadn't been shy about talking about it. But I do think that most uh, most uh, Alabamians who are, uh, you know, have half a brain realize they don't, they don't want to do this again with Roy Moore. It was a, a – and they talked about it. It was on ugly. Local radio, I mean, Birmingham, Montgomery. It, it This is not, you know – you're going to have a lot of – this is going to be very interesting, too. You're going to have a lot of college kids at the University of Alabama voting for Tommy Tuberville <laughs> over yeah. uh, Roy that, Moore. That would be really be weird, tougher than wouldn't to do. it? But, um, but no, I think there's a, a certain amount of fatigue there. The sequels are never as good uh, as the originals in most cases. Uh, when when you have allegations like this that pop up, they're not going anywhere. And, and what you're going to see, too, is what we saw last time. There's going to be a ton of money from out of state poured into Doug Jones's campaign. Uh, it's just the worst possible scenario for the Republican Party. Uh, otherwise, you have new candidates. They're going to run for this position. It's a race. Most people will say, well, Republicans are probably going to take that Senate seat back. 
you know, bada bing, bada boom. Now the whole thing for the primary is Roy Moore, Roy Moore, Roy Moore, Mm -hmm. Roy Moore, allegations, allegations, allegations. And that is what's going to be the worst part for the state of Alabama. When's their their primary next year? I don't know, actually. They're not as, you know, we're early next year because we passed that law saying in presidential years we go early. Mm So I'll have to find that out. We'll talk about it when we come back. Two other big stories. What's the governor doing overseas? Maybe we can find out by asking his spokesman, J.R. Davis. And secondly, there's another person coming back to Arkansas. It changes the outlook for 2022. We'll talk about that as well here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. We uh, welcome you to the Dave Ellswick Show. Should I go through everything for him, Zach, again? Okay. Last night had a really bad electrical and windstorm and rainstorm here in in little rock not so bad where i was at i was up in cabot we got a little bit of wind but that was it didn't get a drop of rain and uh there was some uh it looked like to us it it reminded me of heat lightning you know when you're looking out on the horizon you can see the lightning doing its thing that's all we saw last night uh we did get evidently one strike that was fairly close because it screwed up with my uh, netflix i was trying to watch netflix and it it froze it would load to 24 percent on any programming <laughs> and stop and it wouldn't go any further so i went back and watched amazon because i'm watching that uh, what's it called uh, something things the one about the angel and the demon oh yeah you yeah, know yeah. good omens yeah good omens i got one last uh, episode to watch and see how they stop Armageddon. So anyway, watch that. It's been pretty crazy. Well, it was pretty incredible storms last night. I was, uh, I knew it was bad when it was coming through Little Rock, but the you know to go out this morning, I picked up some coffee for my wife and I, and and uh, driving through just hillcrest, trees down. Yeah, everywhere. that's what I heard. It was really. I mean, I didn't realize it was as bad as it was, but obviously, with I think at one point eighty two thousand individuals were without power in the state. So I had no idea, and it was fast. Yeah. It came in. It came in fast. It came in harsh, and it went out pretty quickly. But it did enough damage. Yeah. Well, that must have been, uh, you know, the one of those April, you know, thunderstorms that, you know, came in like a lion. Just <laughs> got, got here late. Yeah. Got a little lost. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, it was very eerie. Just how you know fast and some of the, uh, in Polk County. They had softball size, and when I'm saying softball, bigger than a softball size hail. I mean, it, there were pictures wow. on Twitter. It's incredible, uh, and jagged. I mean, it was terrifying. If you're out there in that stuff, it, you get hit with one of those. It's probably game over. Yeah, but, uh, but it was it was pretty. Uh, it's pretty incredible how fast that thing came in and how uh, how powerful it was, and then gone. Well, was just gotta tell you, I'm glad that it didn't hit Cabot. Sorry about you all that got it, but we didn't get it, so I'm, I'm happy. But anyway, it's knocked us. You, if you're listening right now, you're listening more than likely on our stream because we're not on the air, and I, I won't, I won't go, I won't go off on AT and T. Okay, I, I won't do it again. I already did that. Uh, bottom line, we're waiting for AT and T to get off their heinies and do what they're supposed to do because by contract, we're supposed to be one of the first people they do since we're a radio station and we might have important information to get out to people but what's said on a contract and what's carried out are two different things sometimes so anyway just let everybody know that and then comcast here in the building where we're at 
in the Plaza West building. Uh, evidently, we took some major strikes last night, and I it's not it. working well. I mean, yeah. to download a four-minute piece of, or it's not a four-minute, but a 20-second uh, a, a piece of audio that I want to use takes four to six minutes. Wow. This tells you how bad it is. Yeah, yeah, I believe it. Like I said, you, you, you mentioned sort of the... Uh, feeling like heat lightning, but man, just sitting in our house last night, we have a lot of windows and it was just all over the place just for about an hour and a half. It's like you had photographers all around your house. I'm telling paparazzi you, it was paparazzi. Was there. That's right. <laughs> trying to get a look at my daily life. What's the normal life of J.R. Davis? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was just crazy in the wind. Uh, you know, that, you talk about sideways rain. It was, it was remarkable last night, but the, but the amount of trees that had fallen were just, well, that's just because incredible. the, the, uh, roots just don't go down that far into the ground around here. Yeah, they were talking about blows them some over. Some areas, sixty mile an hour winds last night. Yeah, so. I heard there was a there was a threat in the Cabot area for seventy mile an hour winds. Yeah, it, uh, we got some wind because I went out this morning and there was like little branches with a bunch of leaves on mm-hmm. them, you know, blown all over the front yard. So yeah, we lost some of our trees, took a beating, but. Nothing major. Well, Nothing, not even close to knocking anything over. Well, I'm, uh, you know, very grateful to the Lord above for our trees standing uh, last night because we have some big ones. <laughs> and I got and big if those ones. things fall, it's that's it's going to be a little. Bit I've of only damage. got one that's close enough to the house that if it fell a specific way, it would land on our our guest room. Well, never sleep in your never, guest room. Never stay at my house. I'm That's just right. For, if you, if, you're if Dave says, hey, come on out. We have a nice guest room for you. Just think twice about that. <laughs> yeah, or check might. the weather forecast. Yeah, so. that, that for sure. All right. And the Mevo is down because Comcast is basically down. So we're not broadcasting live today on Facebook. So It's like 1999 again. What's I mean, going yeah, on, it's Dave? really bizarre. I get, I'm doing it the old-fashioned the way. The old-fashioned way. And def- I couldn't even get the newspaper today because I get it. On your <laughs> on the, on on my Facebook, you the know. The day the newspaper died. <laughs> it's been kind of a weird day. Anyway, J.R. Davis is here, governor spokesman. Uh, let's go ahead. You want to talk politics first, or sure. do you, or do you want to talk about the governor and what's going on yeah, overseas? Yeah, we can talk. Let's talk let's a little bit that. about that. Yeah, let's. Uh, so the governor took off Saturday uh, for another trade mission um, to Europe, uh, and we've seen. You know, a lot of really great successes from those trips, just basically eye to eye with the CEO of our state and, and Governor Hutchinson and then some of these CEOs of the companies that are looking to expand in North America may not know much about Arkansas. Well, this is the third trip to the Paris Air Show, um, which is remarkable because the first time around we were basically saying, hey, you know, we're Arkansas. This is what we have to offer. Look at us. And now, you know, now they know uh, who Arkansas, yeah. uh, wh- who Arkansas is. You know what we have to offer. Uh, we have some great surrogates uh, that have established roots in this state that are also talking about Arkansas. Obviously, CZUSA um, from the Czech Republic, and uh, the fact that this is their first manufacturing plant we announced a couple months back uh, in Arkansas. So again, you have a lot of uh, uh, stories um, that are being told about Arkansas in a positive way. Uh, and in fact, at the Paris Air Show on Monday, the governor announced a, another expansion, this time Lockheed Martin, 
Oh, that's right. Down I in saw Camden, that. 320 plus jobs, $142 million investment uh, for Camden. Uh, and and that's, that's special. I mean, anytime you talk about 300 plus jobs, that's a big deal. Um, but also when you talk about the confidence that Lockheed Martin has in the state of Arkansas and their mm-hmm. Camden facility to say, hey, you guys get things done uh, uh, on time, you know, ahead of schedule. It's it's there. It's sharp. It's the way it needs to be done. And we have enough confidence to say we're going to put another 142 million dollars and bring you know and hire another 300 plus individuals because we trust uh, the folks in the workforce in Camden. That's exciting. Um, so again, that's another. Those are the fruits. So the governor, they're they're visiting. Uh, prospective uh, companies, but also visiting the ones that already have roots here and saying, hey, what can we do to help you expand? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is just another example of why these trade missions are so important. Uh, just to you know, get out there, show who you are in Arkansas, and then try to reel, reel the big ones in. So, okay, now Lockheed Martin, what do they manufacture? Do you know? Yeah, there's some uh, missiles. This one's going to be for the new THAAD. Uh, the, I forget what THAAD stands for. You know this probably better than I do. The THAAD um, uh, uh, rocket, um, and so they'll be expanding their um, uh, manufacturing uh, into that. So um, it'll be a really, really big deal. Um, and of course, they're traveling to from Paris to Germany to uh, uh, to Switzerland to Prague. Um, so it's an eight day trip. They've got a lot to cover. Um, so it's a uh, uh, it, it's been a really uh, good trip so far um, for the governor and his team, as well as the Arkansas Economic Development Commission. Um, so uh, hopefully we'll have more to tell when he gets back. But that was the announcement on Monday. He'll be back late, late, late Saturday, um, and then he'll be back at it at the state capitol on Monday. Wow. That's, that, is, that is fast. It's a quick, quick yeah. trip. Yeah, it really is. It's it's really exciting, uh, and again, I think you know, anytime you can bring in uh, a uh, you know bring in more jobs to the state, expand an existing company, that's exciting. But especially again, when you have the CEO of Lockheed Martin saying, "We trust you guys. We like where we are in Arkansas, and we want to further invest there." Um, so that's that's really cool. It actually says so the Lockheed Martin plans to expand its facility in Camden to include two new production buildings that will support manufacturing long-range fires product uh, and PAC-3 missile defense capabilities. All right. THAAD, by the way, stands for Terminal High Altitude Area Defense. There you go. You know, that's like you're talking about uh, Patriot missiles and things of that nature. So that's what you're talking about. Yeah, so it's a a big deal. And as as I mentioned there, there's going to be – you know, two more facilities, uh, 300 plus individuals. So really, really exciting for the folks down in Camden and for the state as a whole, because I think the more people see this, and we talked about this just a month ago, I think, Dave, but just all the uh, economic development projects that have happened over the last month, um, you know, from from the Coca-Cola uh, uh, bottling plant moving from Tennessee back over into Arkansas because of some of the things we've done with the tax structure um, to uh, you know, um, to CZ USA, uh, cutting the ribbon at six hour, um, for their expansion. It's been really, really exciting. So, um, this is just another one. And this is, these are, this is the type of news that travels far and wide, not just in Arkansas, but nationally, uh, internationally. And when people say, oh, okay, so well, Lockheed's confident enough to 
put another $142 million into their plan. Yeah. So maybe there's something to it. And so I know the governor's always said, look, he's, he's going for the automobile manufacturer. That's what we need. That's what we want. We've got the workforce to do it. Uh, it's eluded Arkansas for some time. And so that's one of the big fishes we're trying to land as well. We'll see how those, uh, uh, how those seeds go as far as being planted there. Um, but I think, you know, this is this is really just sort of um, the tip of the iceberg, and we've said that for the last four years, but, but the first four years we've had a lot of success, but we've also been planting a lot of seeds. And now I think you're going to start seeing some of those things come to fruition, which is very, very exciting for the state of Arkansas. All right. The Terminal High Altitude Area Defense Element provides the ballistic missile defense system with a global, a globally transportable, rapidly deployable capability to intercept and destroy ballistic missiles inside or outside the atmosphere during their final or terminal phase of flight. Uh, last I heard, I think that uh, we sold that to the Israelis. I think they've got it as part of their Iron Dome or whatever. Did you know that there are only... Five nations who can hit any place on Earth with a missile for now. Do you know who they are? Five. You said five countries? Five countries. Do you know who they are? The United, United States, States, of course. Uh, United States. Uh, I would, well, oh, North Korea. No. <laughs> um, I really don't know all that. Russia. Russia. Yeah, well, there you go. China. Russia, China. France. Oh, well, Which kind of surprised me. Yeah. And Britain. In Britain. Oh, I should have That's gone with, it? Yeah, that's it. Wow. So it's us, United States, Britain, and France when they want to well, against let, Russia and China. Let me let me read something really fast to you from this release. I think it's really exciting. So this uh, says that the expansion um, to the Center of Excellence in Camden, Arkansas, is the way they put it, uh, that produces the high-mobility artillery rocket system and performs uh, final assembly for integrated air and missile defense and precision fires products for U.S. and allied military services. This is the quote from Frank St. John, the executive vice president of Lockheed Martin Missiles and Fire Control. Quote, our facility in Camden is a highly efficient, high-quality center of excellence that contributes components and performs final assembly for products that are important to the defense of the United States and a growing number of allied nations. The facility has a long record of precision manufacturing and on-time deliveries, which is the reason we continue to invest in and expand our Camden operations. This expansion will help ensure the availability, affordability, and quality of systems we build for our customers around the world. That, to me, is a pretty solid testament to uh, what they've already seen out of their Arkansas facilities. If you want to buy a THAAD, some THAAD missiles for your country, it only costs you $2.4 billion. Pocket change. That's all. Pocket so, change. Just a little bit of money. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk politics to finish it up. J.R. Davis, our guest, the governor's spokesperson. We're back in a moment. All right, back with you. Let's finish it up with J.R. Davis, who's with us. And uh, we'll be back with J.R. again next week. Week after, we'll take a week off because that'll be the 4th of July and I'm not expecting him to come in because I'm not coming in. I don't expect him to take the show on by himself. So if you just need me to talk for an hour, there you go. I just have you come in just I can do a soliloquy. Yeah. Let's get a read poetry for the next hour. We'll have you do that. That would be fun. All right. Only submissions from your, your listeners. (laughs) That would be fun. Don't, don't even say, (laughs) by the way, I got a new show that uh, is coming on. On Saturday at noon, and he's going to join us tomorrow, and it's going to be um, Kim Hammer. 
Okay. State Center yeah. Kim Hammer is going to have You got that piece of music that you could play for us and we're going to, his theme song, have you got that together? It's not, it's not yeah. ready yet? Okay. The internet. Okay, well, I'll just let everybody know that his theme song, Don't Touch This. <laughs> well, good for him. The Kim Hammer. Be on every Saturday. Well, he thought about Kim Hammer time. As the, as, oh, that's as, funny. Uh, no, but I talked him out of it. So Kim Hammer is, Show. The Kim Hammer Show. That's yeah. a little better. Yeah, that's yeah. true. But da, 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 uh, I like that. Uh, 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 yeah, I, I that's think perfect. I, the that's music's good. great. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're just going to we're just going to play the very first what what did you say about six bars of the song and repeat it. I don't want to get into the into the lyrics because really who knows the lyrics of who that song? Who knows the lyrics? All I know is can't touch this. There you go. And that's absolutely. It. And then I, the the yeah, go ahead. No. I told him. I told him we were going to take a picture for our website <laughs> and that I wanted him I wanted him in MC Hammer pants. Absolutely. <laughs> I think that's part of the deal. It would have looked I think so to get this good. thing rolling, he's got to do it that. It would have looked so fun. It'd been great. It'd been great. But that's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be. He's on uh, a lot of important committees. Yeah, and he can talk. His his whole thing is it's all going to be transparency. I'm. Yeah. The goal of the show is to to show you what state government does for you, your family, and the state. So it should be fun. Should yeah. be a good show. I'm Should looking be. forward to it. We'll have a lot of good insight there. With that said, we just got a few minutes left, and okay. I, I brought this up to Jr. And I, I just want to. This is Jr.'s opinions and his opinions only. <laughs> okay, just like I do it with uh, Robert Steinbach. His opinions may not be those of the governor. How's that's, that? Is that okay? That's, Does that that's, protect you? That protects me, and then you okay. know the the walls of protection I put up uh, for my own person. <laughs> okay, there you go. I'll do. I'll Here's do my question. Best. Okay, Here's what's question. the question? Big thing happened this week. I heard Sarah. Yeah, you know, is coming back. Uh-huh. The governor, or not the governor, the president said he thought she should come back and run for governor. She has not announced that. Although there are some things floating around out in the you know the uh, rumor mill. Mm-hmm. that say that he's, she's thinking about it. How does that change everything for 2022? Well, first of all, someone's got to educate the good folks on Twitter, uh, the term limits here in Arkansas. The president did endorse Asa Hutchinson and continues to endorse Asa Hutchinson, uh, yes, but he is term limited, um, and his he will be out uh, January in 2023. You know, I think, obviously, with politics, you know, you've heard the saying, uh, uh you know, one year is an eternity. Uh, so you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. But obviously this was, you know, pretty large uh, uh, big news. bomb dropped in, in the political sphere here in Little Rock. So, you know, if that's what she decides to do, I think first and foremost, you know, that we have to give her credit for an incredible job she did while she oh, was the yeah. uh, president's press secretary. She handled a lot of difficult situations. And I, and I, you know, to some degree, I think there's, to me, look, I believe that the vast majority of the press corps are doing their jobs, but there are a lot of loud ones um, that, that like to insert themselves into stories. You know, like CNN? Yeah. <laughs> I truly, Acosta just blows my mind sometimes, but I think in, in light of all that, she she did a uh, really tremendous job uh, for the president, and he will certainly uh, miss her. And I think people can gather that because no other uh, staffer has gone out uh, in the sort of blaze of glory like 
uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders has. Yep. Um, you know, the the White House press conference and the big re-election kickoff pulled her up on stage. So you can tell the president's really going to miss having her uh, there. Uh, obviously, what she decides to do next, uh, that's her prerogative. Um, but obviously, she's confirmed she's coming back to the state, spend some time with her family. Um, she's got three little kids. And so uh, she certainly deserves that much for sure. All right. We'll talk about it in the future, I'm sure. I think sure. we will have plenty of time to I talk agree. about it. <laughs> thanks for coming in. I appreciate hey, thanks you. Thanks me, so much. We'll take a break, and when we get back, uh, I got more to talk about dealing with Iran. They're getting uh, a little testy over there, and we're going to have to pay, pay attention to it and pay attention closely to it. More coming your way in just a moment. All right, back with you. My thanks to... Uh, JR, for coming by and spending some time with us. Uh, We started to show off today with talking about what I thought was the biggest story of the day, and that was the shooting down of the drone uh, by the Iranians uh, in international waters, not in Iranian airspace. Uh, The president, during the uh, press uh, briefing that he had in the Oval Office today with uh, the uh, Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Thoreau. Uh, Here's what went down. President Donald Trump today said the public will, quote, find out, unquote, about a U.S. response to Iran shooting down an American military drone in the Persian Gulf that the president insisted was in international territory. Asked at the White House about a U.S. response, Trump said, obviously, you know, we're not going to be talking too much about it. You're going to, quote, find out, unquote. Iran made a very bad mistake. The drone was in international waters, clearly. We have it documented. Trump has invited Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, Senate Minority Leader Schumer, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, House Minority Leader McCarthy, to a briefing at the White House that's going on right now. Uh, Senate Armed Service Committee Ranking Member Jack Reed and multiple congressional sources have confirmed that to uh, NBC News. Trump's comments made at the White House during an appearance with Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau came hours after Iran said it it downed the drone and claimed it was in Iranian airspace. While Trump said the Iranian action was a new fly in the ointment and a very foolish move, he also said it might have been a mistake. Well, I think that's probably been cleared up when the Iranians came out and said they were protecting their borders, who were nowhere near their border or within their borders. Quote, I have a feeling that someone under the command of that country made a big mistake. He said, I find it hard to believe it was intentional. It could have been someone who was loose and stupid who did it, referring to a loose cannon, so to speak. Trump added that it would have been a big difference if there had been a person in the drone. The president's earlier statement on Twitter that Iran had made a big mistake was the first official White House response to the downing of the drone, which occurred around 4 a.m. this morning in Iran, just after 7.30 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time, Wednesday evening. 
A meeting was set at the White House for Thursday morning to discuss the U.S. response that, according to two administration officials, outgoing acting Defense Secretary Patrick Shanahan and his replacement, Mark Esper, were among those who expected to attend. At roughly the same time, House and Senate leaders and key committee chairs were scheduled to attend an Iran briefing to discuss their concerns and hear about the situation from officials, the uh, uh, House Speaker said, Pelosi. Later in the day, Pelosi planned to hold a briefing for the House Democratic Caucus with Wendy Sherman, who helped negotiate the Iran nuclear agreement that Trump withdrew from, and former CIA Director John Brennan. Oh, what a great briefing that will be. There'll be no uh, leaning to either side on that, I'm sure. Pelosi said today that high-tension wires are up in the region and cautioned against any reckless moves by the U.S. You dumb bimbo. I mean, come on. Reckless moves? We haven't made any reckless moves over there. We haven't put mines on ships or shot down drones. We haven't done any of that. Reckless moves. Shut up. All right. Best thing on this one for you, Nancy, is just to shut your pie hole. Quote, we have to be strong and strategic about how we protect our interests. Really? Nobody's thinking like that at all. Okay. Uh, We also cannot be reckless in what we do. I don't think the president wants to go to war. He said that. He made his word. Uh, There's no appetite for going to war in our country, she said at her weekly news conference. There's no appetite yet. They haven't done anything as provocative yet that has ticked off everybody so much that we're ready to release the balloon. uh, balloon. I agree with that. But if they keep this going, who knows? She said this is a dangerous neighborhood, a miscalculation on either side could provoke something that could be very bad in terms of security and our interests. Although both nations have acknowledged that the U.S. military drone was downed, they disagreed on whether it had violated Iranian airspace. Iranian's Revolutionary Guard said it did, but uh, CENTCOM said it was an international airspace here. Let me play with the general at CENTCOM. That would be, I guess, number one that we have in there. Uh, Zach, number two, okay. Yeah, number two, hear what the general has to say for the Air Force at uh, Central Command, and then we're going to play in a few moments, we'll play what Senator Lindsey Graham had to say as well. Well, good afternoon. Uh, this is uh, Lieutenant General Joseph Guastella, commander of the U.S. Air Force's Central Command. I'm prepared to give a statement, but I won't be answering questions at this time. A U.S. Navy... RQ-4 was flying over the Gulf of Oman and the Strait of Hormuz on a recent surveillance mission in international airspace in the vicinity of recent IRGC maritime attacks when it was shot down by an IRGC surface-to-air missile fired from a location in the vicinity of Goruk, Iran. This was an unprovoked attack on a U.S. surveillance asset that had not violated Iranian airspace at any time during its mission. This attack is an attempt to disrupt our ability to monitor the area following recent threats to international shipping 
and the free flow of commerce. Iranian reports that this aircraft was shot down over Iran are categorically false. The aircraft was over the Strait of Hormuz and fell into international waters. At the time of the intercept, the RQ-4 was operating at high altitude, approximately 34 kilometers from the nearest point of land on the Iranian coast. This dangerous and escalatory attack was irresponsible and occurred in the vicinity of established air corridors between Dubai, UAE, and Muscat, Oman, possibly endangering innocent civilians. Thank you. That's the uh, the general uh, U.S. Air Force, CENTCOM, or Central Command in the Far East. So he gave you categorically it was in international airspace. They know where it was. In fact, uh, from what I have been able to ascertain, there was a race to where the drone went down at, and it went down not in Iran. It went down in the water. So it was not in Iranian airspace, and uh, we were rushing to get it so that the Iranian Navy couldn't get it. So know about that. So what are the Iranians trying to do? I mean, that's what a lot of people are asking, and I thought Lindsey Graham did a pretty good job of talking about this. I think they're doing it back asswards, but the bottom line is this, is that you you got them trying to save face because uh, – all of the uh, tightening that the president has done on their economy is causing great pain uh, to their country and uh, that there's a, uh, a good possibility that uh, they still believe uh, that they can save face by making it look like they forced us to do something. Here's Lindsey Graham on that. The Ayatollahs to blame. We didn't sink anybody's ships. We didn't blow up any pipelines. Uh, we didn't go in and dismember Yemen. Uh, we're not supporting, we're not the largest state sponsor of terrorism. So what are they trying to achieve? They're trying to bring Trump back to the negotiating table through intimidation. They're trying to divide us and the Europeans. They're trying to drive up the price of oil because they need money. So getting out of the nuclear deal was a good decision because it was a bad deal. To get Trump back to the negotiating table, they're trying to use hostile acts as the means to do that. If they're successful, that becomes the template for other outlaw regimes and terrorist organizations. So the Iranians have made a miscalculation only if Trump responds in a way to deter this kind of effort to restart negotiations. Okay. Deter. All right. Not to declare war, just to deter. You're going to have to get something to get their attention. And, uh, you know, they're they're a lot like Russia was back in the late 50s and through the 60s, early 70s, when we were at the height of the Cold War. You know, about the only thing that they understood at that time is if they had a gun, you had to have a bigger gun. Uh, Just keep that in mind as, as this all works out. When we come back, Bill Gertz, who uh, has been with me, on my show many times, I'll try to get him on again next week, Uh, wrote several articles about this, and he's been following it closely. He's got a new article up now, and I'll uh, read some stuff from that for you when we return. It's the Dave Ellswick Show, 
And we are uh, right here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, so I got Bill Gertz here, uh, an article that he wrote. Let me quote a little bit from it. I just sent him an email. Hopefully, I'll have him on next week to talk to us. This guy knows more about China and Iran than most people have in, in his little finger than most people have in their whole brain. I'm just letting you know. Uh, and he's got all kinds of sources, and he shares who those sources are and gives you what he thinks might happen. He says, uh, in this, tensions have increased with Iran since last week when Islamic Revolutionary Guards Corps, Tehran shock troops, were caught removing a limpet mine from the hull of a Japanese tanker that had been hit by other mines the United States has concluded came from Iran. And let's understand something. Iran, Hezbollah, Hamas have used limpet mines. They magnetically are attached to the hulls of ships. have been using those since the 80s. It's not like it's a brand new weapon. It's a weapon that they've used in the past. Another tanker also was attacked with the magnetic mines last week. Several earlier Iran-linked attacks were carried out, including mines on ships, an attack on a Saudi pipeline, a rocket firing near a U.S. embassy, and an attack on a NATO convoy in Afghanistan. White House National Security Advisor John Bolton said in an interview last week, the United States is set to retaliate for Iranian military provocations. Quote, the national security strategy lists Iran as one of the four top threats, and we just need to be sure we've got the capability to deter them from these kinds of activities. Notice he said deter them. Uh, Threatening the international oil market, Bolton said, when asked about the Pentagon's plan to dispatch around 1,000 additional troops to the region. Quote, they would be making a big mistake if they doubted the president's resolve on this, Bolton said. The latest confrontation sent crude oil prices higher over concerns of a Middle East war. Oil prices increased more than $3 to $63 a barrel. U.S. national security officials have been debating how to respond to the recent Iranian military attacks carried out through proxies in a bid to avoid a head-on conflict with the United States. Now, a proxy is a group, a country, that uh, does the bidding of another country or another group, say the the Iranian military, to carry out uh, subversive actions uh, that uh, attack our allies, attack us, whatever. So uh, here's what it looks like they've been talking. U.S. uh, national security officials have been debating how to respond to the recent Iranian military attacks Carried out through these proxies, options are expected to range from covert action against Iranian military targets using special forces commandos to airstrikes against Iranian bases. Uh, The administration is weighing uh, weighing what it regards as uh, proportional responses to recent Iranian actions. That would likely mean an airstrike against Iranian air defense batteries located near the Strait of Hormuz that were involved in shooting down the Global Hawk drone. The launch point of the surface-to-air missile firing, Goruk, 
is about 100 miles from Iran's Bandar Abbas naval base, and the range indicates the missile may have been one of Iran's S-300 advanced air defense missiles. The S-300 has a range of up to 120 miles. The Garuk facility and Bandar Abbas both could be targeted in a U.S. retaliatory strike. The Pentagon last month deployed the aircraft carrier strike group led by the USS Abraham Lincoln to the Persian Gulf along with a bomber strike group of B-52 bombers. And let me tell you what, a B-52 bomber, when fully loaded, carries a crap load of arsenal. I'm just telling you, it's a lot, a whole lot. In fact, it's a big plane. If you've ever been up close to them, there's not a whole lot of room inside when they got their their belly full of bombs. There's no place to sit, hardly. Uh, these forces likely would be called on to carry out any future retaliatory strikes. The IRGC said in a statement that the drone was launched from a U.S. base located in the southern area of the Persian Gulf and flew from the Strait of Hormuz to Chabahar with complete secrecy. The unmanned aircraft were returning to the west of the region towards the Strait of Hormuz, violated the territory and integrity of the Islamic Republic of Iran, and started collecting information and spying, the statement said. At 4.55 a.m., when the aggressive UAV entered our country's territory, it was targeted by the IRGC Air Force and was shot down. Iranian state-run media also published a fake picture of a drone being shot down. Uh, The drone photo was actually an image of a U.S. drone that was shot down over Yemen in 2017. Iranian Foreign Minister Mohammad uh, Zarif said the United States violated Iranian airspace. The U.S. wages economic terrorism on Iran, has conducted covert action against us, and now encroaches on our territory, Zarif said. We don't seek war, but will zealously defend our skies, lands, and waters. The official IRNA news agency said the drone was shot down near the Mubarak Mountain region in Hormuzan, Providence, in the southern part of the country. In Saudi Arabia, the Minister of State for Foreign Affairs said Iran had created a grave situation through its aggressive action. He said the government there would consult with other states in the region on how to respond. So uh, there you you have it. One model for a U.S. retaliatory strike could be the Reagan administration's Operation Nimble Archer in 87. American naval forces attacked two Iranian oil platforms in the Persian Gulf in response to an Iranian missile attack on an oil tanker. So just, it's been going on for a long time, folks. You know, Iran's been at this since the 80s and probably before. Uh, Bottom line, they seek for everybody to be scared of them. And so, uh, you know, they they do some saber rattling. They could uh, be doing too much. Let's just put it that way. Uh, In the minds of the IAEA, International Atomic Energy Association, that uranium enrichment that's going on uh, in uh, Iran has increased. It's not just the more sophisticated centrifuges, but the pace of production, the pace of enrichment has also picked up, said Secretary Bolton. And so it threatens the various limits in the uh, JCPOA that the Iranians have said they'll violate. They'll exceed it beginning July the 8th. So don't be surprised that if you get a a tweet from the president or from a a news media uh, that 
you know, something's on fire in Iran. I'm just telling you. I, I don't expect that we'll not do something on this. All right. We got another hour coming up uh, live, and then we're going to replace uh, replay our interview uh, with J.R. Davis. You won't want to miss that. That's all coming up on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Seven minutes after four. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. We move into our last live al- uh, hour. Next hour, uh, you'll hear the hour we did with... Uh, uh, J.R. Davis, the uh, governor spokesperson, had a pretty good discussion about ROC and some other things uh, and what the governor was doing overseas on another mission that he's on and what he's, you know, done thus far and what may be around the corner. I thought uh, he was he alluded to a couple of really kind of interesting things during the hour. You will want to be uh, listening to that. Tom Cotton shooting back at former Vice President Joe Biden. Uh, Senator Tom Cotton took issue with former uh, Vice President Joe Biden's categorization of U.S. President Donald Trump's Iran strategy as a, quote, self-inflicted disaster hours after an Iranian missile shot down an American Navy drone over the Straits of Hormuz. In a statement disseminated on Twitter, Senator Cotton declared Biden's statement on Iran shooting down of U.S. aircraft conveniently omits how he and Barack Obama gave Iran billions in sanctions relief and pallets of cash, supercharging Iran's support for terrorism and imperial ambitions. By contrast, President Trump has crippled Iran's economy. Today, the 2020 Democratic presidential hopeful Biden indicated that Trump's decision to pull out of the controversial 2015 nuclear deal between U.S.-led world powers and Tehran is to blame for the risk of military conflict with the U.S. uh, designated state sponsor of terrorism, Iran. On Twitter, uh, he said he had uh, Biden had this to say President Trump's Iran strategy is a self-inflicted disaster. Two of America's vital interests in the Middle East are preventing Iran from obtaining a nuclear weapon and securing a stable energy supply through the Strait of Hormuz. Trump is failing on both counts. And he later added he unilaterally withdrew from the hard one nuclear agreement. Hard one. They didn't demand anything hardly of the Iranians. Not hard one. Uh, That the Obama-Biden administration negotiated to stop Iran from getting a nuclear weapon. Trump promised that abandoning the deal and imposing sanctions would stop Iran's aggression in the region. By walking away from diplomacy... Trump has made military conflict more like, let's stop there right now and let's discuss. When you use sanctions, you are using diplomacy. That's diplomacy. You know what happens if you don't use diplomacy? You shoot people and bomb the living crap out of them. That's when diplomacy has stopped. Diplomacy, this is still diplomacy when you're using sanctions. It's trying to make the other side understand through using uh, financial straits on them that be smart 
and stop the way you're doing things before we have to start shooting. By walking away from diplomacy. Is walking away from diplomacy when you stop on, uh, you know, the tarmac of the, of, uh, you know, the airport there in Iran and you develop, you put down pallets upon pallets of cash and precious metals to try to buy off the people, the, uh, the, the higher ups over there in Iran is, is, is that the kind of diplomacy you talk about, Mr. Vice President? So anyway, uh, I'm looking here just saying it's uh, sadly ironic. He said that State Department is now calling on Iran to abide by the very deal the Trump administration abandoned. By walking away from diplomacy, Trump has made a military conflict more likely Another war in the Middle East is the last thing that we need. Describing the act as a message to America, Iran's Revolutionary Guard admitted it had shut down the U.S. spy drone, claiming it was flying over its territory. U.S. officials, however, said Iran shot the drone down over international waters. If you listen to what the president said, he said, that's not just our words. We can prove it to you scientifically. We show you the GPS and all the rest. It wasn't uh, the picture that they put up, uh, Ram put up, as of a uh, back about uh, three or four years of a drone they shot down uh, over in Africa. In a statement carried by state-run Islamic Republic News Agency, that's the IRNA, the IRGC declared at the early hours of Thursday, the IRGC Air Force shot down an American spy drone that had violated Iranian airspace. U.S. CENTCOM, charged with American military activity in the Middle East, said in a statement the drone was shot down by an Iranian surface-to-air missile while operating in international airspace over the Strait of Hormuz at approximately 11.35 p.m. GMT. On June 19th, Iranian reports that the aircraft was over Iran are false. This was an unprovoked attack on a U.S. surveillance asset in international airspace. In a speech carried live on Iranian television, soon after Washington and Tehran acknowledged the shooting down of the unmanned aerial vehicle, General uh, Hosan Salami, his name, not mine, uh, the commander of the IRGC proclaimed that the destruction of the drone sent a clear message to us here in the United States. He said that uh, the IRGC commander reportedly added that crossing Iran's border was our red line, referring back to, you know, Obama and the red line for Syria. General uh, Salami further said shooting down the drone was evidence of how the Iranian nation deals with its enemies. Boy, these guys try to score points all they can with their Khomeini's. Uh, quote, we are not going to get engaged in a war with any country, but we are fully prepared for war. No, you're not. Let me just say something here. The Iranians may think they're prepared for war and, you know, be honest with you. They're, you know, they've got a military. 
but they don't have a military that matches up with us. If if we unload on them like we really can, remember when Bush said we were going to give the the uh, Iranians shock and all. I was disappointed to be honest, because that ain't. If we did shock and all, I mean, really did shock and all, and you guys that are formerly military members and know the capabilities of our military, we can give them a shock and all they'll never, ever, ever forget. Now, would we do that, you know, pull all the stops? Probably not. The uh, Iranian people, the Persian people over there, they're not the ones that this is happening to. But personally, I like to see them send up a cruise missile up every one of those Khomeini's butts when they wake up one morning. Give them something to really wake up to. What movie was it that they were tracing down uh, terrorists and the very ending is the, the terrorist that was trying to start it all was sitting in the loo and he's looking up and they they sent him a text saying, see you later. And he, he looked up and could see the cruise missile coming in. What movie was that? Was was that uh, the last uh, oh, uh, Jack Ryan show on Amazon? Was that how they ended that? That's what it was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a Jack Ryan. See, that's the way I would like them to remember as they go out and and, and meet their maker, who's not the maker they think they're going to meet. Um, this year, the Trump administration officially deemed the IRGC a foreign terrorist organization, and Iran uh, retaliated by designating CENTCOM as a terrorist organization. Last week, U.S. officials accused Iran of firing a surface-to-air missile at a drone over the Gulf of Oman on the same day Tehran attacked two tanker ships Uh, American officials also blamed Tehran for the assault on the tankers, as well as similar attacks against four tankers near the uh, UAE in May. Iran denies those accusations as well. They did shoot some uh, um, some missiles over into Saudi Arabia at a pipeline. We do know that. So, uh, you know, they they better be careful. That's all I got to say. The U.S. wages economic terrorism. No, we don't. No, we're not out there holding a gun to anybody's head about that. We're working with our allies, and uh, you're bringing that on to yourself, my friends. The U.S. wages economic terrorism on Iran has conducted covert action against us and now encroaches on our territory. We don't seek a war, but will zealously defend our skies, land, and waters We'll take this new aggression to the U.N. Oh, yeah, go ahead. We all we know how much we can all know that the U.N. will stand with truth and uh, show that the U.S. is lying about international waters. President Trump has, by, way, uh, by the way, approved the deployment of an additional 2,500 American troops to the Middle East since the uh, beginning of May. So that's where we're at right now. It is the Dave Ellswick Show. Stick around. We've got more to talk about here on 101 FM, The Answer. All right, so something has uh, begun now that I've been waiting for, and that is female athletes standing up for themselves now and uh, challenging the state policies allowing transgenders to compete against women. 
been waiting for them to finally do it. And now, you know, because they didn't do it at first, and I think we all know why. You, you, all you got to do is look at how the transgender uh, side of the argument attacks people. And I do mean they attacked people. And, uh, you know, they'll, they'll say that the people are doing things that they're not doing and all the rest. Here's the key. There's a, there's a lot going on about this. Female student athletes in Connecticut are challenging a new policy that allows transgenders to compete against women. Attorneys representing the students submitted a complaint Monday alleging that the policy directly and negatively impacts the dreams and goals of the true, I'm going to use the word true here, female athletes, not people who identify as females. The Alliance Defending Freedom, the ADF, attorneys representing three female track athletes submitted a complaint on Monday to the U.S. Department of Education Office for Civil Rights asking it to investigate illegal discrimination against the female high school students over a new policy adopted by the Connecticut Interscholastic Athletic Conference. ADF alleges that the female athletes have been deprived of honors and opportunities ever since the CIAC adopted a policy allowing biological males to compete in and against females in athletics. ADF adds that CIAC's policy is in direct violation with the requirements of Title IX. Now, it's important that they're using Title IX. Title IX was passed to uh, make schools uh, offer as uh, much money to female programs as it did to male programs. I mean, when I was going to high school, there wasn't uh, much high school basketball going on. I think if I think back on it, I think um, volleyball was played, golf was played by females uh, against other females, swimming, female against female, but there there wasn't any uh, basketball or any other sport. I mean, fast pitch softball hadn't even been heard of uh, when I was going uh, to school. And then Title IX passed, and they we started seeing, you know, uh, programs at high schools where they were putting money behind the programs where the girls had uh, a basketball court like the boys did that they could practice at during the course of the week. Whether you know this or not, I don't know. Most high schools uh, did uh, the boys never played on the Friday, you know, Friday or Tuesday night games that you had, or or Thursday night games. Typically, uh, that was for when the crowds were around. Then you had you know, a practice facility that you were in all the time. For us, it was the junior high school that we uh, practiced at. Then they started building, you know, facilities with weights and all the rest for the guys uh, to get better. And uh, then when the when the Title IX went through, they started building those kinds of facilities for females. Girls deserve to compete on a level playing field, say, said ADF legal counsel Christina Holmcomb. Forcing female athletes to compete against boys is grossly unfair 
destroys their athletic opportunities. Title IX was designed to eliminate discrimination against women in education and athletics, and women fought long and hard to earn the equal athletic opportunities that Title IX provides, allowing boys to compete in girls' sports reverses nearly 50 years of advances for women under this law. We shouldn't force these young women to be spectators in their own sports. The uh, complainants are three high school girls who compete at elite levels of girls' track in Connecticut. Like large numbers of girls around around the nation, each complainant has trained much of her life, striving to shave mere fractions of seconds off her race times. In order to experience the personal satisfaction of victory, gain opportunities to participate in state and regional meets, gain access to opportunities to be recruited and offered athletic scholarships by colleges and more. Unfortunately for these complaintiffs and other girls in Connecticut, those dreams and goals, those opportunities for participation, recruitment, and scholarships are now being directly and negatively impacted by a new policy that permits boys who are male in every biological and physiological respect, including unaltered male hormone levels and musculature, to compete in girls' athletic competitions if they claim a female gender identity. Because of the basic physiological differences, no one could credibly claim that a school satisfies its obligation to provide equal opportunities for girls for participation in athletics by providing or only co-ed track or wrestling teams and competitions. ADF also mentions how one male student athlete who failed to advance in the boys' in indoor track events last year stopped competing uh, in the girls' event, which in turn deprived or began competing uh, in girls' events, which in turn deprived female student athletes of opportunities to advance and participate in state level competition. The boy blew him away. When they, he com- he competed against girls, when he competed against the boys, he couldn't even finish in the top three. Got crushed. So they're now asking the Office for Civil Rights to investigate Title IX violations, require the CIAC to revise its policy, and require the conference to acknowledge every girl who would have been identified as a champion or would have qualified for participation in a higher-level competition but for the participation of a male in her event. News is next, and we'll talk more. Hey, don't forget about PI Roofing Home Solutions. They still want to let you know that they're not just the best roofing company, not the best we repair uh, the things that happen after you get water in your house, but they offer you the highest quality gutter cleaning of anywhere here in uh, Arkansas. But when you go to piroofing.com, always understand this. If you got anything wrong and last night you might have ended up with some problems because of the really straight line winds. If you you walked out today and you looked at this at your roof and you saw you had, you know, some of the uh the stuff was missing on the top of the of your roof and things of that nature. If you notice when you got up this morning, you had a little discoloration maybe in a bathroom or a bedroom or even in the kitchen or whatever, that it might have been caused by a leak, then the place that you should turn 
is PI Roofing Home Solutions. I know that's who I use. I use them because they're the best. Uh, they give you the, ba- the best service. Uh, they do the best when they do the repairs. Uh, you can have them come out and just check out your roof for you because your roof is your last defense against Mother Nature. So you want to make sure that you keep it up. And just because a shingle says a lifetime shingle doesn't mean it's going to last a lifetime, all right? Have a PI roofing at no cost to you. Come out, walk your roof, look, and see if there's any problems around the flashing, around your maybe chimneys for your fireplace or or around uh, fans that are, you know, venting from your bathroom and things like that. And those are all areas that need to be changed or uh, checked uh, from time to time. And PI Roofing will do that. Joel and Veronica Johnson started this uh you know, company doing just that, being your roof leak detectives. They used to show up, ask people if they wanted, they could, you know, Joel could look up and see he had problems. And he'd go up and look and explain to them where the problems were and how they they needed to be fixed and then take care of it. And then no more leaks. And then when you have a leak, you know, contractors around typically want a big job, not a small job, but uh, PI Roofing will come out and take those small jobs as well and keep, uh, you know, water perhaps getting between behind the drywall and things of that nature and causing, you know, black mold or whatever. Go to piroofing.com and check them out. That's piroofing.com because when you need some roofing done, when you need some home repairs done, when you need to get your gutters clean, there's nobody better to turn to than PI Roofing. Great story today. This is uh, a, a fight that's been going on for a while. And it's about uh, this uh, cross that's in Maryland. It's been around for a long time. I'll, I'll go through this story and just listen to how long this has been going on. And somebody got their, uh, you know, panties in a wad because they didn't like a cross being out on a park. Uh, the Supreme Court ruled uh, today that a World War I memorial, World War I memorial, in the shape of a 40-foot-tall cross can stand on public land in Maryland. Now, think about this. It's been there since the early 1900s. And nobody suddenly felt compelled to become a Christian because this cross was there. This cross was to celebrate the victory of World War I. The justices in a 7-2 ruling said that the presence of the 100-year-old peace cross on public land does not violate the First Amendment Establishment Clause. Now, if they had ruled against it, I would have said, so what you're telling me, since this was put up, the, the The cross was erected back in 1925. We're talking almost 90 years ago, all right? And nobody had any problem with it. Now suddenly they say, you got to tear it down. You got to take it down, cover it up. I'm, I'm just telling you, if all these Supreme Courts up to that time had not wanted to hear about this. Nobody brought a case to them. Leave it alone. Just it makes sense to me. Just leave it alone. Okay. Anyway, here's what they said. 
The cross is undoubtedly a Christian symbol, but that fact should not blind us to everything else that the Bladensburg cross had to come to represent. That was from Justice Samuel Alito, who was writing the majority opinion. Lawyers from the First Liberty Institute and the law firm Jones Day argued the case on behalf of the American Legion, who was celebrating their 100th anniversary, their centennial this year. They had erected the cross in 1925. In briefs and oral arguments, they asked the court to overturn decades of often unclear and contradictory liberal precedents regarding religious displays on public property. Justice Alito's opinion agreed that the court's earlier rule known as the Lemon Test, provided no clear legal guide for deciding the case. The court held that long-standing memorials, such as the Peace Cross, were presumably constitutional. Justice Clarence Thomas, what a great conservative justice he's been, writing in a separate concurring opinion, urged the court to go further and directly repudiate the Lemon Test in all contexts. Now, who ruled against this? Can't wait till this woman leaves the court. Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Sonia Sotomayor dissented. The 40-foot-tall Peace Cross in Bladensburg, Maryland, was built to honor the 49 men from Prince George's County who fell in the Great War. That would be World War I. In 1961, a Maryland state agency took possession of the land on which the memorial stands. The legality of the 93-year-old memorial was challenged by an atheist organization called the American Humanist Association which argued that the cross sent an exclusionary message in violation of the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment. In 2015, a federal judge in Maryland ruled against the plaintiffs, holding that the Maryland Parks and Planning Commission had non-religious reasons for maintaining the historically significant secular war memorial. A divided U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit overturned that ruling. The American Legion's lawyers said the Fourth Circuit's opinion imperiled war memorials all across the country that employ crosses to honor the dead. The court's decision Thursday creates a boundary of protection now for long-standing memorials, including those, listen where these other ones are, Arlington National Cemetery in Virginia. Think about that. They could say that because it's, uh, you know, a public memorial that they couldn't have crosses on those graves. Think about that. Because of a few ignorant idiots uh, that uh, would try to bring that up. So uh, it's a good thing that, it, that, it, uh, that they won on that. It really is. It's a great thing that they won on that thanks uh you know to the people who you know 
just want to remember the people who, who fought and died uh, protecting our country. It's just amazing to me. It really, I mean, it's just amazing because this is not like it was a, uh, it's a bunch of people. It's not a bunch of people. It's just like the group that attacked schools. I think that's two people that run that group on, uh, for the atheists, two people. And, and they're trying to make, you know, 300 million of us bow down to their wants. That's, that's B, that's just BS complete and utter, uh, BS. So trying to just keep you up on everything that's uh, going on. But uh, that one has been finally brought to rest. And I'm hoping now that uh, these uh, w- these memorials that were put up by military groups and things of that nature to show their respect uh, for those who gave their all for their country, that those people would just give it up and stop doing what they're doing. All right, we got to get a final break, and when we come back, I'll uh, let you know again uh, what's going on uh, about Roy Moore in Alabama, and I'll play AOC again for you. And Chuck Todd went after her, and then how the leftists came after Chuck Todd. All right, so let's play AOC, Ms. Cortez's statement about uh, the. Uh, uh, areas that they're keeping young uh, people that are breaking across our border or detention facilities up along the United States southern border. Here's what she had to say about them. The United States is running concentration camps on our southern border, and that is exactly what they are. They are concentration camps. And... Um, if that doesn't bother you, I don't. I got. I like. We can have. Okay, whatever. I want to talk to the people that are concerned enough with humanity to say that we should not. That never again means something, and that um, the fact that concentration camps are now an institutionalized practice in the home of the free is extraordinarily disturbing. Um, And we need to do something about it. This week, children, uh, immigrant children were moved to the same internment camps where the Japanese were held in, in in the earlier 20th century. And this is, um, this is not even about a crisis Okay. Now, when you listen to that, that should irritate the thunder out of you. Just because we should never have concentration camps ever again. Never, ever. We shouldn't have internment camps like we had in World War II in the United States where we we put up uh, Japanese folks. That should never happen again. Todd said... He was on MSNBC to correct Cortez and in no uncertain terms chastised her for downplaying the seriousness of the Holocaust in order to score political points. Quote, she just did the people there a tremendous disservice. 
be careful comparing them to Nazi concentration camps because they're not at all comparable in the slightest. She tried to make a distinction between concentration camps and Nazi death camps, Todd continued, but Congresswoman, tens of thousands were also brutalized, starved, and ultimately died in those concentration camps. Todd correctly noted that immigration detention facilities are, quote, not at all comparable to Nazi concentration camps. Some Democrats have been reluctant to condemn her remarks. They don't want to get criticized on Twitter, Todd added. Why are we so sheepish calling out people who agree with, uh, we agree with politically these days? Cortez said she didn't use those words lightly, Todd concluded. Well, neither did I. You know, if you want to criticize the shameful treatment of people at our southern border, fine. By the way, it didn't start under Trump. You'll have plenty of company, but be careful comparing them to Nazi concentration camps because they're not at all comparable in the slightest. Well, if Todd was seeking to put an end to the concentration camp discussion, he failed utterly. Instead, Cortez's defenders spent most of Tuesday and Wednesday explaining precisely how their pet politician was historically correct to both Cortez's critics and accomplished historian, uh, Holocaust historians, and they turned their guns on Chuck Todd. Dave Zirin said, Oh, at Chuck Todd, this is so bad. Yet another person more ups, upset by AOC than by the detention camps themselves. He didn't ever say that. She said she didn't use those words lightly, Chuck Todd said. Well, neither did I. John Moffat, the world could do with a whole lot less Chuck Todd. The less, the better. Uh, Jose Marquez Worse, he lacks the courage to confront a guest lying to his face on Sunday, so he finds a tweet to posture how smart he is. Aaron Rupar. On Meet the Press, Steve Scalise lies about origin of the Russian investigation, claims bias was information that the Democrat Party got from Russia. The origin was actually Trump campaign being looped in about Russian hacks, but host Chuck Todd lets Scalise lie with impunity. Clip is painful to watch. What is the point of Chuck Todd? A handful of critics accused Todd of carrying water for the Trump administration. Woo, that ain't happening. I'm just telling you, Todd has been nothing but a a thorn in the side of the uh, administration. It's a pastime Chuck Todd would no doubt be surprised to hear that he engages in. Uh, Brooklyn Dad, Defiant. Anyone else getting tired of Chuck Todd using MSNBC to audition for Trump's open press secretary gig? Seriously, this clown has destroyed the credibility of Meet the Press. Ryan Cooper, I could carve a better man than Chuck Todd out of a banana. Calling him a monkey. That's what he's doing. Uh, Some even blade Todd for blocking solutions to totally random progressive issues apart from the detention of illegal immigrants. Pip Mommy, Chuck Todd's comments are uh, untimely and insensitive. They are concentration camps. He is, in fact, an apologist for this administration's crimes. 
Don't expect him to call out the apartheid perforated on the Palestinians either. He's too busy towing the corporate line. Now we've got him bring the Palestinian deal into it, which they might want to learn a little history of. Others just flat out accused Todd of enabling the coming genocide or something. Um, Kim said, Chuck Todd, you seriously this eager of a tool for step six, propaganda turning the populace against non-whites, our lovely AOC included, and step seven, announced action to relocate 1,400 child prisoners to Fort Sill, a World War II internment facility. That's one step before massacres. I told you, the left, they're crazy. They're absolutely crazy. I could show you other. I could talk. I could bring my my buddy and producer, Russ, on and tell you all about how the left treats people that they don't like. All right, we'll take a break. I got to take a break for a while, and I'll come back and see you tomorrow at 2 o'clock, just so you know. Coming up, we'll replay our interview with the uh, press secretary from the governor's office, J.R. Davis. You have a great evening. I'll see you tomorrow at 2.